Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 249. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading. And you first-time listeners, we're really glad you found us and we hope you enjoy the show. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, the worldwide ransomware attack and how you can avoid becoming a victim. Why Australia's NBN rollout has become a global embarrassment and Apple's tips on taking better photos with the iPhone 7. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Fitbit Alter HR, HTC's new One X10 smartphone and Vodafone's new 35-day prepaid plans and we'll finish it off with the tech guide help desk as we always do and it's all brought to you by netgear australia's number one brand of home wi-fi products and norton the company to help keep you and your family safe online a massive show so let's get right into it well without a doubt the biggest story of the week or over the weekend was this huge global cyber attack that claimed more than 200,000 victims around the world. We're talking more than 150 countries around the world, and they're calling it the biggest online extortion attack in history, ransomware. It was this, uh, the, the reason why it was so huge and, and grew so quickly was that it combined a ransomware attack with the, with the aspects of, a, of a, a worm virus. That's why it spread so rapidly. So what it did, it, it knocked, knocked, down, knocked out factories and banks and government agencies, transport systems, you name it. And as Australia returned to work this week, it was it was obvious that there were also some victims right here in Australia. And the attack, which would have spread even further had it not been for the efforts of a 22-year-old, this, this computer expert, we don't even know whether he's a male or a female, what, they, what, what he or she managed to do was to trap this, this attack into a single domain and it, it like like getting a creature in a box, and act, he, act, he or she activated a kill switch, so it, it kind of stopped the virus from spreading even further than it did in that particular part of the world. So th- this is a frightening development where this ransomware attack, combined with the ability to spread like wildfire through your contacts, through your mailing list, to to go even further. The reason it was it it, it occurred because it was exploiting a vulnerability in an older version of Microsoft's Windows operating system. So anyone who hadn't updated were using this older version of Windows were vulnerable to this attack. Microsoft has since released a patch to this vulnerability, which if you, you, if you are using an older version of Windows, it's best to patch this immediately. 
and this has stopped will stem the bleeding, if you like, for now. But for individuals who you and me and mums and dads and everyone else out there who's running a Windows computer, there are some things you can do to avoid you yourself becoming a victim. Now, it's these really simple tips, and this isn't the first time that we've spoken about protecting yourself from ransomware, but in this particular case, it is really, really important to... Because this this attack, as, as we said, the world's biggest ransomware attack, biggest ever, and what the what the attackers, the criminals were doing, were at first asking for three hundred dollars US. That's according to the reports, US to uh, to the victims to unlock their file. So ransomware works where your computer's locked down, all your files are locked down with it, and you get a message that pops up to say, "Well, if you want to see your files again, pay us three hundred dollars US," and that amount would increase every two hours. So if, if, if you wanted access to your files, people were thinking, well, do I pay? Do I not pay? Some experts say, and, and I'm, of this, I'm, I'm of this thinking as well, is that don't forget you're dealing with a criminal here. And if you, are a, if you pay up for your files, you're creating a market. So there is, any, like any other market, is supply and demand. They're, they're locking up your files. If you're willing to pay for it, there's a market. And the more that people, the more people pay, the more people that offer to pay, then the market's going to grow. Now, easy to, easy to say if your files are locked up and you want to see them again, but paying doesn't always guarantee you're going to get your files back. Uh, I have heard reports where some people paid and did actually get their files back. So, you know, a, a criminal with a heart, let's say, well, first he's got three hundred bucks of your money, but. The, the, it wouldn't be unusual for a criminal to not even give you your files back even after you've paid. Well, if you follow these simple tips, you yourself can stop yourself becoming a victim. Now, number one, make sure your internet security software is up to date. Protect yourself. You, if, if any ransomware, any other variants that appear, you need to have an up-to-date security software so that it can, be, uh, it, it can combat the latest attacks that appear. That also applies to your operating system and other software. Keep that updated as well. These software updates frequently include patches for newly discovered vulnerabilities. Hello, like the Microsoft patch that was issued, that if if you continually update your software, chances are all those vulnerabilities are going to be patched up. So if you're thinking, oh, I've got to do another update, well, it is probably for your benefit. It's not because it's going to make it look prettier. It's because it's got these underlying vulnerabilities uh, and exploits that can be closed. And those those exploits that aren't closed, that aren't repaired with an update, are, are the, what exactly what ransomware attackers are looking for. Be very, very careful of unexpected emails. It's it, we've seen plenty of examples of phishing emails where people click on on a link and suddenly they they've got ransomware installed on their system. So be very careful of clicking on unknown attachments. Really check to see whether Australia Post is going to contact you by email if you haven't had a package delivered. Do you really get your energy bill via email with two days to pay? Really think about stuff before you click on the link. Now. This next point, I think, is the most important point that we're going to make and will help you to never, ever become a victim of ransomware. And that tip is to always have a backup of your files. I'm going to say it again. Always have a backup of your files. Having this backup means that you, if, a, if you are the victim of ransomware, 
you can rest assured you've got a version of your file safely tucked away either on an external hard drive or in the cloud, and you can simply just restore your computer with those new files. So ransomware, you're not going to be affected. You're not going to pay a cent because you've got a backup. The people that are affected are the ones without a backup. So, I, And I have heard instances where a connected hard drive of a ransomware attacked computer is also compromised. I have heard stories where the backup on a connected external drive is also compromised. Well, the way around that is by using a cloud backup. So you can have all your important files, everything that you need to restore your, your computer, all those important documents that you can't bear to lose, have them on a cloud backup. So they're accessible online and stored online, very easy to retrieve and ready to go. Now, the other, the last point is run the Windows patch. Microsoft's already issued the fix. Make sure you update it. Do that immediately if you are running this version of Windows. So be very careful. Check what you're doing. Check that there's nothing odd happening on your computer. Run all your updates. Back up your files. You should be okay. It's frightening, the stats about ransomware. These Symantec's latest internet security threat report said that the average ransom per victim grew to $1,077 in 2016, up from $294 in 2015. That's a 266% increase. Ransomware attacks also grew to 463,841 in 2016, up from 340,665 a year earlier. More than 70% of malware attacks are on the healthcare industry, where ransomware in 2016 uh, included hospitals, pharmacies, and insurance agencies. So it's not just individuals, it's businesses as well, companies that have got a lot of data to protect. They say one in 131 emails contains a malicious link or attachment in 2016, the highest rate in five years. So be very careful. Ransomware, it's out there, but there is a way to beat it. There is a way to stay one step ahead. Back up your files, update your software. If you follow those instructions, you will stay a step ahead. If you want to read more about that story and how to protect yourself, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide, keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Now, while on the subject of the internet, well, this is a story of a different kind, and this is a story about Australia's NBN rollout, which has come to the attention of the New York Times, and the story that was written was unflattering, to say the least. Embarrassing is the word I would use. The story appeared in a few days ago in the New York Times under the headline, How Australia Bungled Its 36 Billion High-Speed Internet Rollout. And that's 36 billion US dollars, which in Australian dollars equates to $49 billion that's being spent on the NBN. Now, the New York Times rightly points out that our internet speeds are way behind the US, Western Europe, Japan, South Korea. In fact, the story revealed that the Akamai ranking of internet speeds put Australia behind countries like Thailand and Kenya. Australia is way back down in number in position number 51 behind all these other countries. Now, I don't know about you, but if you spend $50 billion on something, You'd expect it to be super fast, super efficient. Well, unfortunately, that's not the case. And the New York Times, uh, as well as the rest of the world, are finding out about it. Now, we all know that there's been 
cost blowouts, uh, changes of government, partisan policies, political manoeuvring, and this grab bag of technologies as well, like mixing fibre with outdated copper copper connections. Uh, the I think when the Liberals came to power in 2013, they decided that to avoid the cost blowout, which was potentially going to reach seven, $70 billion, they decided rather than going for it to fibre to the premises, which was Labor's original plan, they decided to go fibre to the node, which is put, bringing the fibre to the end of your street and then letting the existing infrastructure do the rest, like copper and whatever just happens to be in your street at that time. And the stories about how well that's gone are well documented. There's people complaining that speeds are way down. Uh, in my particular instance, I've got Optus cable broadband at home delivered with a hybrid fiber coaxial cable. I can already get 100 megabits per second downloads, but my upload speeds are rubbish. It's only like one megabit per second on a good day. So upload speeds, terrible. But I fear that I'm... Uh, the Optus HFC cable, by the way, was purchased by the NBN and then later declared rubbish that I need to replace that with now fiber to the curb. So I'm going to get fiber to, to my roadside outside my house brought the rest of the way into my house with a copper cable that's been there since the middle of last century. And hopefully that's not going to impact my speeds and not going to impact the quality of my service. And I'll have this fast, I'm going to no doubt choose when the NBN comes to my street, not not till between July and December next year. I'm definitely going to choose the 100 megabits per second down, 40 megabits per second up, and hopefully can retain that speed throughout. But this, the, the, the problem that we're seeing, and a lot of people have complained about this, is that rather than replacing the copper network, the, the government's decided to spend $640 million to improve it. And the, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who are saying that we'll, it's, we're, we're getting a lot slower speeds than we're capable of. And th- this is now becoming the news to the rest of the world. And and this follows, by the way, the last time the New York Times wrote about an Australian technology story was in August last year. Cast your mind back to the census, the Australian census website, which buckled under the pressure. Uh, uh, There was attacks and all kinds of things going on. And uh, it, it makes Australia look like an absolute backwater. You know, we've got the climate and lifestyle that's the envy of the world yet our internet speeds are substandard despite this 50 nearly 50 billion dollars that's being spent uh, th- this is obviously going to have an impact for small businesses and and how we advance against the rest of the world and don't forget meanwhile when with all this happening that wireless technology is getting even better. We're talking 4G LTE and 5G networks, which are now capable of speeds of up to 1 gigabit per second, which is 10 times what we were promised with the NBN. That promise, which hasn't been met in many instances. If you want to read about that story and see that story, I've linked to the original story that was published in the New York Times. You can check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, Apple's always been obviously very proud of its iPhone camera, the iPhone 7 in particular, and Apple has released, uh, I've never heard of them doing this before on their website, they've released a series of instructional videos to help you take better photos 
with the iPhone 7. There are 16 different videos. I've linked, I've listed and linked every single one. So if you want to check it out, you go to techguide.com.au and we've got every single tip plus a link to the instructional video. And we're talking about tips, things like how to shoot a backlit subject, how to shoot a great portrait, how to shoot a group portrait, sunset silhouettes, shooting without flash, shooting with streetlight, shooting action shots, vertical panorama shots, close-ups, shooting stills while you're filming, shoot a selfie with a timer. All these instructions are there, how to edit a selfie, how to shoot, shoot a unique angle. All of these instructions are there. Uh, I'll give you one example of being able to shoot properly. Like shooting a great portrait, uh, in, in, the, in the case of the iPhone 7, uh, the 7 Plus has two lenses and there is a portrait mode. So what, what it offers is a depth effect. And usually you place the subject within about two meters of your of the phone and it offers that great effect where the, the background's blurred, the subject is in focus in the foreground. It's called the bokeh effect. It's sort of usually only possible with a, DS, a digital uh, SLR camera uh, and looks remarkable. But there's also other great tips for shooting a backlit subject. So it can be really arty with your focus, with, with your, your photos and your focus. And shooting backlit subjects, obviously, obviously the, the, brightness, the brightness behind them means that you get a lot of light and the person in the foreground is just completely black. So there are ways for you to still shoot that great image, whether it's a, 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 one, a person, a group shot, uh, ways to shoot without your flash as well. Use the light, the existing light. Vertical panoramas is an existing one too because traditionally we, we think of panoramas and we think massive sweeping shots left to right or right to left. But there is a way to shoot panorama for vertical shots. So you get this really tall image. Uh, you, know, want, you want to shoot a building or, or some, some natural landscape, there is a way to do that as well. And shooting close-ups, shooting that time of the day where the sun is in front of your subject. They call that the golden hour. So there's instructions to do that as well. And shooting stills while filming. Here's another one. If, you, if you're shooting video, there is a way for you to still capture your still images while you're shooting your video. So don't think you need to just shoot your video, then come back and shoot your stills. You can actually do them both at once. And all of those instructions are part of Apple's, they're really interesting tips on how to take better images with your iPhone 7. And I've put all of them, including a link to all of those videos, on techguide.com.au, so make sure you check it out. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. You already know Arlo by Netgear, the worldwide leader in smart home security and the creator of the world's first 100% wire-free weatherproof HD security camera. We'll now get to know the new Arlo Pro with even more features, including two-way audio that allows you to talk to your kids, pets, or whoever's at the front door right from your smartphone. Arlo Pro has quick charge, rechargeable batteries, night vision, and live on-demand streaming. And yes, it's still 100% wire-free and weatherproof. So you can easily monitor your entire property inside and out. Arlo Pro takes just a few minutes to set up so you can check in on your home or business from anywhere using the free Arlo app on your phone, tablet or computer. Know what's happening in real time with advanced motion detection and never miss a moment with free cloud recordings for seven days. Visit arlo.com forward slash au for more info. Arlo and the new Arlo Pro by Netgear. Every angle covered. Tech guy. Now, 
a Tech Guide Review with Stephen Fennick. Our review, we're going to kick it off with the Fitbit Alter HR. Now, this is a very impressive fitness band, uh, activity tracker, whatever you like to call it. And this follows on from Fitbit's previous model of the Fitbit Alter, uh, which didn't have the heart rate monitor. So hence the reason why this new model is called the Fitbit Alter HR, HR being short for heart rate. And what it does, it maintains its slim form factor. In fact, the Alter HR is the world's slimmest exercise band with a built-in wrist-based heart rate sensor. And this heart rate sensor really comes into play to give you even more data on your exercise, even closer monitoring of your sleep as well. So it can do everything that the previous model can do, counting steps, calories, distance, all of that. It also has smart track auto exercise recognition, so no need to go into the device or into the app and say, okay, I'm going to go for a run now, I'm going to go for a walk now, or I'm going to do some, uh, go do a, a session in the gym. It will recognize what you're doing. That's one of the things I really like about this product is that it's set and forget. All you need to do is charge it every six to seven days, and it will recognize everything you do. And you can then go into the app and see the exercise you've done, how well you slept that night. It's a really good way to monitor where you are, get you to where you want to go with your fitness goals. But with the HR, it really steps it up to the next level. It's got this pure pulse heart rate feature, which tracks your pulse continuously. So whether you're in the middle of a run, uh, sitting at your desk or sleeping, it monitors your heart rate. So in the case of the while you exercise, it allows you to see what different heart rate zones you reach. So if you're the sort of person who wants to burn fat or get fitter, this can help you reach that fitness zone. So it can tell you whether you need to step it up or back it off uh, to achieve the what you want to achieve with your exercise. And when you look back at the workouts, it tells you how long you spent in each heart rate zone. So you're in the cardio zone for 20 minutes. You're in the fat burning zone for 15 minutes. So it is that accurate. It's really impressive that, uh, that it can really go drill down to that sort of detail. And, and again, like we said, there's nothing you need to do. The, the device, the, the, the actual Fitbit Alter wristband, there are no controls on the wristband. So you, all you can do is monitor what you're doing. You can, it can see that you're exercising. You can check how many steps you've done, all of that from the wristband. You can't control anything from the wristband. There's no need to. It does it on its own. For you to make any changes to the device, that happens through the excellent companion app. Now, moving on to the sleep monitoring. This is another area where uh, it really provides some interesting information. And one thing you may be surprised about is how little sleep we're getting. Uh, that was one thing I noticed. I, I was getting about five and a half, six hours sleep on a good night. And it does really show you, it points out that sleep is just as important as exercise to help us stay healthy, to, to keep off our weight, to keep weight off us. So... It, it, the detail that it points out with your sleep, it can show you things like how long you were in light sleep, deep sleep, how long you were in experiencing REM sleep. All of this information is, is tabulated within the app and even used to compare to other people uh, of your age and gender. 
So it, it does a comparison for you and then comes up with suggestions. So it's a little bit like your mum when you were young telling you, look, you know what, it's about time you went to bed now. Uh, if you don't mind that kind of a tap on the shoulder from the Fitbit, then it could really help you get not only longer sleep but better quality sleep. I think being fitter goes hand in hand with sleeping better. So one will help the other. And a good way to monitor how well that's done is with the Fitbit HR. One of the other thing it does too is monitors your resting heart rate, which is a an indicator of your cardiovascular health. The lower your resting heart rate, the more healthy, the healthier you are. So trying to get that resting heart rate down is really important, as well as getting better sleep, better sleep quality, and exercising on a regular basis. The Fitbit Alter HR can really help you reach your fitness goals. Uh, the Fitbit Alter HR, it's priced at $249.95. I have seen it cheaper uh, in certain stores, so shop around for that one. And if you want to read our complete review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Next up, we are talking about HTC's new One X10 smartphone. Now, this is a mid-range phone, a mid-range device that is priced at an affordable level. It's it's five hundred and forty-nine dollars, and or available on a plan, five bucks a month on a forty-dollar plan. More about that in a minute. But this is a sort of device that is a great example of a mid-range phone that offers a lot of top-line features. Now. Two years ago, this phone would have probably cost a thousand bucks because of the features on board. We're talking 5.5 full HD display, uh, unique metal body, 3D diamond cut edges, really nicely curved, good fit in your hand, 16 megapixel rear camera uh, with integrated phase detection autofocus. So it takes photos really quickly. Uh, there's also a pro mode on the camera so you can take more control of your images. And in the selfie world, if you do love taking selfies, there's an 8-megapixel front camera with an ultra-wide lens. So you can fit more of your friends in the picture, as well as maybe the building or location or wherever you happen to be standing in front of, it'll fit that in as well. Now, on top of that, and this is a mid-range phone, don't forget, there's also built-in fingerprint recognition for added security. So uh, it can it, it's really, it unlocks the phone really quickly. The fingerprint uh, sensor can also be used, though, to take selfies. Uh, so a simple tap of the fingerprint sensor, that can trigger your selfie shutter as well. Now, there's also a smart boost feature. So if you're doing things like playing games or using using an app that really sort of gives the processor a bit of a go, then the Boost Plus chimes in and helps optimize your phone's performance and also your phone's memory as well. Uh, now, on the battery side, you've got a 4,000 milliamp hour battery, which HTC says will run on t- for two days on a single charge. I think... If you're hammering this thing, probably go to at least easily to a day and a half. But uh, two days is uh, probably if you have a couple of light days on the emails and and on your social media, it might uh, get stretched out to two days. The HCC One X10, it's available now from Vodafone for $5 a month on the red $40 plan over 24 months, as well as you can buy it outright as well from JB Hi-Fi stores this week, priced at $549. And if you want to check that story out, you know where to find it, techguide.com.au. Okay, next up, we're going to talk about Vodafone's new 35-day prepaid plans. 
Now, this is a bit of a shake-up for the prepaid plan, the prepaid industry. There's a lot of customers in Australia who have their own phone, don't want a postpaid plan. They want something that's affordable, uh, that's easy to recharge, and that's exactly what Vodafone has provided. Now, the thing here is to note, the thing to note is that the fact that it's a 35-day plan. Traditionally, prepaid plans run for 28 days before recharging or 30 days before they need recharging. Well, if you take note, if you get out the calculator and work out plans, uh, 28-day plans, very common on uh, companies like Amasim offer 28-day SIM-only plans. Now, if you divide 365 by 28, you'll come up with 13 point something, which means you're paying, you're recharging your device 13 times per year. If you move up to, uh, if you happen to be on a 30-day plan, uh, you'll find that if you do the calculation, you'll have to recharge 12 times a year. Well, when you look at Vodafone's new 35-day plan, there will be only 10 recharges in the year, which means you can use your data and your calls, all those allowances for up to 35 days before it runs out, you've got to recharge it again. So the plan expires every 35 days, and you've got to recharge it, as compared to 28 days and 30 days with those other companies. So Vodafone's offering this longer period for the prepaid plan to run, and hence you only having to recharge 10 times a year compared to 13 and 12 times a year when it's 28 days and 30-day recharges. So the result is you're going to be saving more than $100 in some cases. Now, this applies to Vodafone's $40, $50, and $60 plan. So you do the math. You can save either $80, $100, or $120 because you're charging only 10 times instead of 12 times, and that money is in your pocket. So there's a data combo and a talk combo. Uh, The data combo has slightly more data, uh, whereas the talk combo has uh, slightly less data but more uh, up to 90 minutes of international calls as well, international minutes for you to take a, make a call. Uh, th- these are really competitive plans, and it wouldn't surprise me if there was uh, their competitors come come to the table with some new offers to compete against this 35-day offer. If you want to read more about that story and check out those plans, you can find them at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. While public Wi-Fi at airports, hotels and cafes is convenient, it's not always safe. Did you know that accessing the web using public Wi-Fi can expose your most sensitive information, things like passwords, photos and credit card details, to hackers and identity thieves? Norton Wi-Fi privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online, so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about attackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, keep your personal information protected with the new Norton Wi-Fi privacy app. It's available on iOS and Android and also now runs on Mac and Windows laptops so you can be protected on any Wi-Fi network around the world. To learn more, visit au.norton.com or search for Norton Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk this week, I'm going to offer some really, really valuable advice. And the advice is how you can complain 
effectively. When you're, if you're not happy with your telco, you're not happy with your internet service provider, there is a way to go about making your complaint. Now, this advice comes after the news broke where the complaints to the telecommunications industry ombudsman rose for the first time in a couple of years. So more complaints are being made to the telecommunications industry ombudsman about mobile services, uh, internet service providers, uh, the increase by, in some cases, 33.8% compared to the lowest levels that we saw in 2015. Main reasons for complaints were, number one, customer service. Number two, billing issues. Number three, technical difficulties. But usually, complaining to the telecommunications industry ombudsman is a last resort for the customer. You should, have, you should exhaust every other avenue before going to the TIO. Now, this is a time when, yes, we expect, we expect everything to work properly. We expect our services to be running just as how we've paid for them reliably, but it doesn't always work out that way. And here are some tips to make yourself heard and to achieve, hopefully, a positive outcome. Number one, you should present a solution to your problem. I've always been of a, of a mind to whenever there is an issue and I need to deal with it, rather than saying, look, I've got a problem, I prefer to present a solution. This applies not just to complaining to your ISPs and telcos, but in all, in all walks of life, I'd prefer my method would be rather than present a problem, present a solution. In other words, yeah, this is wrong, but here's how I reckon we should fix it and what we should do next. So rather than making it someone else's problem, you present the, tell them you've got a problem and present the solution at the same time. So communicate that to, your, to your, the company you're talking to and say, look, this is what's happening and this is what I'd like you to do. So look, this, my service hasn't worked for four days and I'd like you to refund the, a, a portion of my money. Or uh, my bill, I've been overcharged for this month. I'd like you to take it off my next month's bill. So offer them that solution. Also, have supporting evidence. Document what's wrong with whatever is happening to you. So you may take down... Make notes on maybe the, a service was, was, wasn't running as it should from a certain date to a certain date. Uh, the, you were overcharged by a certain amount of money on, on the bill for, for April. So take down as much detail as you can so that they can be checked with the company's records. I'll give you an example of this, of something that happened to me. I was, had a message from my telco to say that I had used eight gigabytes of data in a single day. And that I'd only have, I've got 20% of my data left. And I proved to them that there was no way that could have happened. And the way I proved that was I said to them, my phone, my phone could never have done that because I was on a plane coming back from the United States. My phone was off for 13 hours. There's no possible way that could have happened. And you know what? Turned out to be a system error and everything was fine. So have that supporting evidence. Here's another tip. And easier said than done, keep calm. Keep emotion out of it. Now, it's really easy to fly off the handle at the person at the other end of the phone to vent your frustration. This person is doing their job and trying to take your complaint. And it's just going to take longer if you just have a screaming match and make them the target of your anger. So try to keep it in check. If you give them a hard time, you want to vent, it's just going to take longer to resolve your issue. 
and you start swearing and doing all this sort of stuff, they're entitled to hang up on you. They're, they're, there's no, they, they should not be treated that way. They're entitled to say, well, the complain to their supervisor, this person swore at me, and they'd have a reason to, to cut off the connection. So keep calm. Don't be swearing. Don't forget, the person you're talking to is the person that can help you solve your problem. So don't be so angry. They're going to help you. Next up, try to escalate the issue. Now, how frustrating is it that you've been on the phone for 15 minutes, explain what went wrong, and then that person has to go to a supervisor to explain the same thing? Well, that's just wasting time. So try to escalate the issue. Talk to a supervisor, to a decision maker, someone who can get something done rather than just refer it up the chain or talk to someone who's going to say, look, I'm going to have to get back to you and see what we can do about it. Try to talk to someone then and there. So ask for a manager, ask for a supervisor, try to get it fixed. Now, here's another tip. Done the right way can help you, and that is using social media. If it's done the right way, it can be really, really helpful. Now, by that I mean, if you, what I've have found in the past is that if there has been an issue, or there was an issue, I'll give you an example of my internet connection home. No internet, don't know what's wrong, not working at all, Pulled, turned the modem on and off, done it, did everything, nothing. And I tweeted my ISP, which was Optus, and I said, hey, Optus, is there an issue in this area or is it just me? And sometimes that little tweet or, or Facebook post is a good way of getting information about a situation. So uh, you, they, they got back to me and said, look, it happens to be there's an outage in your area, so it's not just you. We're working on the problem. I said, okay, that's information that I needed and information that would that satisfy me to say, well, okay, there's a problem. It's not just my connection. It's everyone's having the same issue, and that made me feel a little bit better. There are some people who tend to use social media to have a bit of a rant, try to embarrass the company, and that's probably not the best approach because you could put yourself at the back of the line. You don't want to be uh, to try to embarrass them and put them down uh, when basically all you want to achieve is knowing what's wrong and fixing it. So the shortest way to do that is to keep it, keep that emotion out of it and use social media to get your point across and to find out that valuable information. And at the very end of the line, if you're still not satisfied, then contact the telecommunications industry ombudsman. And what happens, issues are all resolved because the, the TIO contacts the company in question at a far more senior level to find out what's wrong and settle the matter amicably because the company wants a satisfied customer. They don't want an unhappy customer because that unhappy customer is likely to to pull up stumps and go to another to their competitor. So it's in their best interest to keep you as a customer, to keep you satisfied, keep you using their services. So there are the tips to to uh, complain effectively. You know, complaining is if, if you're not getting something that you've paid for, then you're entitled to speak up. So don't feel afraid to complain. If it's done properly, then it will work. There's this old saying, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, but make sure you squeak amicably. Don't be, keep the emotion out of it. Contact them, use those tips that we've supplied and you will get your problem solved. It will be, the issue will be resolved in your favor. If you want to read more about those tips, we've written them all about them at techguide.com.au. <laughs> 
And that is our show for this week. You can read about everything that we've spoken about at techguide.com.au. And we'd love for you to get in touch with us. Email us at info at techguide.com.au. I do reply to my emails and you will get an answer. Some of them may even feature on the next week's Tech Guide podcast. We want to give a special shout out to our sponsors as well, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.